Some of the hardest problems in the world exist far above the planet. Our job, to launch the smartest solutions, to protect our satellites, clean up our clutter, to propel breakthroughs in propulsion, to learn more about our place in the universe, to outpace emerging threats. Every day, the Aerospace Corporation uses the latest technologies to ensure our nation's safety and leadership in space. Welcome to the Space Policy Show. We have a fantastic episode for you today. We're going to be talking about responsible use of PNT for national resilience with Lori Gordon, Tom Powell, and Jim Platt from Department of Homeland Security. Before we get started, I just want to remind you, you can find us at aerospace.org policy, engage with us on Twitter using hashtag the Space Policy Show, or ask your questions in the Vimeo video box below. Uh, discussing the recent executive order of the same topic, Lori Gordon, Tom Powell, and Jim Platt will be talking about PNT. For those of you who don't know what PNT is, it's precisioning, navigation, and timing. GPS is an example of a system that's used to accomplish PNT. I'd like to give a little introduction of Lori, who will then in turn introduce our other guests. Lori Gordon is a technology strategist in national and homeland security, cybersecurity, and infrastructure risk and resilience at the Aerospace Corporation. She's an advisor to ISO, ANSI, and NIST technical working groups, and is a visiting fellow at the National Security Institute. She's also served on curriculum advisory boards in the areas of cybersecurity and infrastructure security, law and government, and resilient design. So let's kick it over to Lori to introduce our other guests. Thank you so much. And I look forward to an exciting conversation today about the future of position navigation and timing as we watch it expand capability, geography, and application with two leaders in the field. And starting with Jim Platt, uh, since 2016, Jim has led DHS's efforts to mitigate against the loss of PNT capabilities provided by the Global Positioning System. He was a major contributor to the Presidential Executive Order, strengthening national resilience through responsible use of PNT services. His portfolio has also expanded to include other high-risk programs, such as space weather and electromagnetic pulse defense. Prior to joining DHS, Jim served for 20 years at the Department of Defense as the Chief of Staff for the Director of Army Operations Readiness and Mobilizations and across uh, Cyber and Protection Directorates. He achieved numerous awards during this time, including the Legion of Merit and Meritorious Service Medals. He has a Master's Degree in Leadership from Georgetown, a Management and Computer Science Degree from California University of Pennsylvania, and soon an Executive MBA. And then we have Tom Powell, who is a colleague of mine at the Aerospace Corporation. He is a principal director for GPS user systems, supporting the production core at Space and Missile Systems Center, where he manages a team supporting the military GPS user equipment program. He worked at NASA Johnson Space Center on space station conceptual designs and participated in U.S. De delegations in International Telecommunications Union, ITU, Spectrum Management. He supported the GPS program for over 15 years in technical research as well as regulatory policy and international coordination. He also serves on the National Space-Based PNT Executive Committee Advisory Board. Tom holds a bachelor's, master's, and PhD in aeronautical and aerospace engineering from Purdue, University of Texas, and UCLA, respectively. So thank you both for being here today. So let's kick it off. So, Jim, I wanted to start with you. Uh, you know, there's been a continued shift and variability in the threat landscape uh, over the past few years, and DHS is really looking to enhance uh, capabilities and mature its services to both the government, public, and private sector stakeholders to counter these threats. So what are some of the recent changes uh, that you at your agency, CISA, 
Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency uh, have seen and how have these enhanced or impacted your mission? Uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for uh, having us having me here today to discuss this. And, you know, this really isn't something that's new. Uh, we've been seeing a change, especially in the PNT uh, landscape over the past few years. And this really started back in 2013 when DHS had conducted a national risk estimate and saw that more and more critical infrastructure sectors were becoming more and more dependent on the use of GPS. And we recognize that that trend couldn't continue. So over the past couple of years, uh, as we've looked at systems who have not adopted not only GPS, but foreign GNSS systems, uh, and then with all the augmentation systems that are out there as well that um, does ama do amazing, amazing things such as uh, uh, automated farming and automated cars, we recognize that we needed to take action to secure uh, more resilient PNT, but just as importantly, to make sure we have uh, more secure and resilient systems that use PNT. So this just isn't about uh, making sure that uh, GPS is more secure. Obviously, that's important, but it's really about making sure that the systems that rely on PNT can continue to operate uh, should there be disruptions or manipulations of the PNT services. Great. So, so pulling on that thread. So, on a daily basis, Americans depend on PNT services um, for three principal purposes, right? So, it's timing, which is that synchronization synchronization of devices and events, location, whether it's mapping or surveying, and then asset tracking, such as fleet management. And so, we know um, DHS CISA has designated PNT one of the fifty-five national critical functions. Um, so, the definition is, you know, the disruption. Uh, or debilitation of a capability such as PNT would have a debilitating effect on uh, national security, homeland security, uh, public health issues and safety, or a combination of those. And so on, um, you know, this year, uh, you all put forth a PNT executive order uh, to try to, to mitigate um, some of the, the threat um, or to build in resiliency into government and uh, private sector use of PNT. So you played a significant role in this, as we've discussed. And so, so tell us about some of the goals of the executive order. Uh, how did it come about? What risks is it trying to address? And what are the intended outcomes? Okay. So the executive order, we think, is a really big uh, step forward. Now, uh, President uh, Trump signed the order back in February, uh, but that was a long time in coming. As I mentioned earlier, we've recognized the problem with growing dependence on uh, GPS for many, many years. Uh, even if you go back to 2004, uh, when the original space-based uh, PNT executive order was signed, uh, there were concerns, uh, NSP 39, there were concerns about uh, whether or not we were becoming overly dependent. So within the past couple of years, if we've Decide, taking a look at how we can address this issue, uh, we really started to dig into how users were uh, acquiring their PNT, what steps they were taking to ensure that their systems were resilient. And we found out that in a lot of cases, GPS had become so ubiquitous uh, and really such an easy uh, utility to tie into that many people just assumed that it would always be there and that if it was always going to be there, uh, they should assume that it's always trustworthy. You know, sometimes people ask me if they can trust GPS, and my answer is absolutely. The Air Force does an incredible job of, of running the GPS system. Uh, I don't think you can, uh, there's very few instances where there's ever been anomalies in that system that have had an impact on users. But what I tell people is that you can't trust the signal that you're getting is actually coming from GPS. So once you start understanding that, that's where the, the term responsible use of PNT came in. 
uh, as we talked to interagency partners, people were using it irresponsibly. They simply put it into their system, assumed everything would be right, and then took off and uh, started to conduct their operations. We saw, saw seen several incidents where GPS was integrated into a system. Uh, when GPS failed, that system behaved erratically, and there were no plans in place to ensure safety of life or to ensure continued operation of a critical function. So we recognize uh, that's what the uh, executive order is actually trying to get at, that we use a deliberate risk-based approach to using PNT. If we're going to have autonomous cars in the future, uh, imagine if for uh, a minute you were driving down the road and the car said, turn right. Well, right now, if your GPS says turn right and you're driving the car and there's a lake to the right, you shouldn't drive into the lake. Unfortunately, we actually have situations where people do that. Uh, but imagine if that was automated uh, and there were no other sensors to tell you that there was no road to the right. That was actually a lake to the right. So when we have an integration of all these sensors. You understand that there's possibilities that the system may not be functioning normally or that you may be getting a GPS signal that is corrupted. You can use the rest of the system to serve as uh, validation signals for that. And that deliberate risk-based approach is what we're really striving for across all of critical infrastructure. That's great. We hear a lot, you know, the word resilient a lot, and now I like to hear the word responsible use. So that's sort of a, a new interpretation of that word. Um, but but some of the key pieces and parts of the executive order. Some one is to develop PNT profiles, sort of develop this overarching plan um, to develop, you know, contract language, update the federal radio navigation plan. Um, so it seems like those are going to be, you know, worked, um, I guess, in parallel and then, you know, in series going forward. So there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, so I want to turn it over to Tom. Uh, so Tom, so we're seeing you know advances in technology crossing all sectors and verticals. Um, uh, we, we've talked about this a bit before. With Jim had mentioned um, you know uh, vehicles, um, autonomous vehicles, and things like this. Really, the use of PNT is exploding across all new types of infrastructure, specifically emergency management capabilities, um, precision agriculture, accurate tracking of ships, and so on and so forth. And so we really focus here at Aerospace on the space sector. So could you talk about that um, and just sort of expand and how do we use PNT with space? Space is an enabler of, of PNT um, and just, just take it from there. Okay. Um, as far as uh, space, uh, I could I could um, break it down into sort of two categories. First of all, um, the GPS enterprise is the service provider of GPS, and so and that's now part of the United States Space Force. And their job is to you know maintain and modernize the satellites and the control segment and the user equipment that make GPS uh, possible for for the military. Um, but there are also many uh, users of PNT in the space community. So most, most uh, satellite programs rely on precise timing and position information for their missions. Some, uh, for, for, for some, it's a critical reliance on GPS as there are for other systems. And so um, space, space uh, the, the executive order will impact space in those two ways. One, it'll impact uh, the service provider to make sure that the system is as the services are resilient as possible, but also to individual uh, users to make sure that they are uh, uh, using PNT responsibly, as, as Jim mentioned. Um, there's another aspect to it um, that relates to PNT. Um, that's the industrial base. So um, GPS uh, is reliant on atomic clocks uh, that are space qualified, and uh, GPS is actually altered. 
sort of the, the, the manufacturing base for precise timing. Uh, people do things with uh, GPS for precise time that they perhaps used to use physical clocks for. And so um, I think the executive order could have, um, could, could have impacts to the, the uh, timing industrial base. There's also a lot of secure microelectronics that are involved mm. in GPS, uh, certainly for military GPS receivers. And that's something that uh, we want to make sure uh, that supply chain is, is kept uh, free of, of threats uh, because it goes into very important um, microelectronic applications. And the other thing is there are a lot of new, I guess what I call new space uh, impacts potential for for PNT, there are uh, lots of talk of proliferated—excuse me—proliferated Leo, um, where we have large numbers of Leo satellites, DOM or PNT or things. And so, I think the executive order would apply to that. Um, there's also a lot of new entrants into the space launch category, and um, many most vehicles, launch vehicles going forward, are going to rely on PNT for all or most of their mission profile. Uh, to include things like uh, flight termination if there's an anomaly, which obviously is something that's very critical that you want to make sure um, you can mitigate any threats to that. Great. So you brought up proliferated LEO, uh, sort of an emerging area. Um, from your perspective, or even Jim, in, in the executive order, there's this um, the, the Federal Radio Nav Navigation Plan, um, and I know that needs to be updated various points, but beyond um, the, the, the PNT executive order, how do you see the future PNT risk landscape unfolding um, when we're looking particularly at the Arctic, which is, um, you know, it's increasingly an area of activity, um, you know, with, with global weather and things like this. Um, what impacts do we see for the Arctic and Arctic needs? And is, um, you know, proliferated LEO um, an opportunity there to bring additional capability? Sure, Laurie, I'll be happy to take that one. The, uh, you know, the proliferated LEO is an interesting concept uh, because once again, there is a global utility or global capability potentially to deliver PNT. Uh, but we also want to make people understand that every time that you adopt addition, the, the additional PNT source, you are potentially also introducing additional risk to the system. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that we really want to talk about with responsible use of PNT mm -hmm. and development of the PNT profiles that you use a risk-based approach. So if you're going to introduce another system into your, uh, or another PNT system into your operations, what benefits does it bring? What risk does it bring? And if you conduct an effective uh, risk rewards trade-off as you go forward. And then the Arctic, you know, that that's, provides a very unique situation because, as we know, the, due to the uh, orbits of GPS, maybe it's not as effective up there. But then you have to ask yourself, how much precision do you actually need before you introduce another system? If you're in open water and 10 meters or 15 meters of navigation are fine, and uh, you're getting that from GPS in the northern latitudes, maybe that's all you, you need, additional to the things that you, or other observables that you can see. So... Once again, it really goes back to understanding what are your requirements. Once you understand your requirements, what PNT systems can effectively deliver those requirements to you, and then what risk do they also bring? Because let's face it, uh, once something is uh, being used by the general public, it always attracts more attention, both in academia and the black side of the world, the people of the hackers, 
to figure out how they can disrupt that, uh, both for good for good and bad purposes. Uh, and if you don't take those things into consideration, uh, you will find yourself with unexpected consequences and adverse impacts to your operations. Thanks, Jim. And Tom, I wanted to pull your thoughts on that too, about the precision aspects here. Did you want to pull on that thread a bit or talk a little bit about like sort of the differences and sort of different criteria or anything? So one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing the PNT profiles is uh, hopefully they'll be capturing uh, the, the concepts that we talk about in GPS, which are accuracy, availability, and integrity. Um, accuracy is pretty self-explanatory. Um, availability, uh, when you think of a public utility, is when you turn on a light switch that the service is there. Um, there's also another aspect called continuity, which means it's kind of always there and there are no um, unextended uh, disruptions or, or loss of service. But another one um, that's very important is integrity. And that is, as, as Jim has referred to, can you trust the signals? And we, we have a term that we use, hazardously misleading information. Um, you you want to make sure that if, if, if your position, if, if you have a PNT system that says you are here, that you are really there and that um, you can trust the, the signals to, 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 to tell you that you're really there. And also, more importantly, if for some reason there's a problem with the system, that they can notify you that there's a problem because that may be, that's an important part of integrity. It's not the system has to be perfect all the time, but when there is a problem that it knows and, and recognizes the problem and can identify users in a timely manner. And that's very important too. So, so also, Tom, on this, um, one study recently found that uh, a GPS outage lasting 30 days could cost the U.S. economy $1 billion each day. And so we're seeing that, you know, this increasing reliance on GPS signals from uh, smart cities, autonomous vehicles, next generation communications is so critical. So what is your, what is your next step? What are you working on um, related to some of those um, national defense in an unclassified environment uh, here? Um, but what are you looking at um, you know, two, five years from now? So um, my role here at the at, at SMC in, the, in the, the production core is we're working to develop the next generation of military GPS receivers that are, it's called MGUE, military GPS user equipment. And this will be the first generation of receivers for U.S. and allied forces that can, uh, can use the M-code signal. It's a modernized military signal. And uh, we're very close to uh, getting the first generation out there. And so that's really the, the, the main focus of what's called the user products division here at SMC is to get, get those uh, receivers complete development and get them tested and fielded. Excellent. And Jim, what's next at DHS CISA, aside from the PNT executive order? So the, the PNT executive order has plenty in there to keep us busy over the next couple <laughs> of years. Uh, but uh, I, I think, you know, the most important thing for us to take a look at is over the next couple of years, there's going to be a proliferation of technologies that can provide position navigation and timing of services. I mean, there are, there are existing services that are out there right now. Almost on a, a weekly basis, we hear of other capabilities to exist. Uh, it's really amazing what, you know, American ingenuity is doing. Uh, in this field. And so I think over the next couple of years, the most important things for us to focus on is working with the people who use PNT to make sure that whatever PNT systems they use uh, really provide uh, secure and resilient security and resilience to their overall mission. 
And if we can do that within uh, DHS, I think we're going to be successful. Uh, and it's, it, it's no little challenge. The, the numbers of signals of opportunity that are proliferating for position navigation and timing are going to be many. Uh, but as I keep mentioning, each one of those is going to bring its own challenges with it. And we want to help owners and operators understand what those challenges are going to be. And that's also leveraging your interagency as well, your peer peer agencies to get involved with the, the executive order and all other activities too. So, Absolutely. If I could just add on that, we, we couldn't do this without our interagency partners. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got great working relationships across uh, many departments. And, you know, one of the things that we are, I'd like to mention also, is we're working on something called the uh, conformance framework. Mm -hmm. And the conformance framework is if, if you go to an operator right now and say, PNT is critical to your system, you should buy a secure and resilient receiver. Uh, their question is going to be, well, what does that mean? Because there's no standards out there and you can only rely on what the manufacturer is telling you. So the DHS S&T department is working on a set of guidelines with, pri with the private sector and the interagency to have voluntary standards so that when you go out and buy a receiver, you know what the expected performance parameters are that you're going to get from that. So uh, we really want to thank our interagency partners and our private sector partners uh, for us working through the conformance framework, and we expect to see the first iteration of that later this year. That's great. You're tackling it at all angles, policy, standards, frameworks. That's great. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thank you both. It was great. It was a great conversation. And uh, we'll continue the conversation with other agencies and sectors um, to get their perspectives as well. So um, thank you both. Appreciated it. You're welcome. Thanks, Lori. Appreciate it. Thank you to Lori. Thank you to our other guests, Tom and Jim. We're really excited that we had you on the show today to talk about PNT. It's been a really interesting episode. Again, find us on aerospace.org slash policy. Ask your questions using hashtag the space policy show or comment in the video box below. We would love to work with you and engage and answer all the questions that you have. So until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to the space policy show.